On this episode, Chris and I have Alex Sklar from Payability on. Payability is a company that has some creative financing and funding options for e-commerce sellers. And Alex was great, man, talking about all things Payability has and what's going on in the e-commerce world. He was, it's just great info on this interview. Yeah, he, he surprised us. Uh, yeah. he, he's more than just a finance guy. He's got more uh, e-commerce knowledge and, and good thoughts and very high energy. So it was perfect. Uh, great guy. We'll, we'll definitely have him on again. Good oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Another guy that's just bullish on e-commerce right now. Uh, if you're in this space, well, you, hopefully you are, you're listening to us, you're in this space, it just, it's just going <laughs> to give you confidence about what's coming down the pike in, in e-commerce and also just how you can grow your business using payability and their funding structures. So anyway, let's, uh, let's div- dive into the interview. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 55 of Two Amazon Sellers and a Microphone, brought to you by Solozo. Today, Chris and I have a great guest on with us, Alex Sklar from Payability. Alex, how you doing? I'm doing great, guys. How are you guys doing? Great. Wonderful. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah we're, th- we're really excited to have you on. This is a great topic for our audience, for Amazon sellers. Uh, what you guys offer at Payability and how you can help fund Amazon sellers. Chris and I uh, are both sellers and we certainly know the cash flow issues <laughs> that arise being sellers. So we're excited to just dive in, ask you a bunch of questions about Payability. But um, before we get in, why don't you let everyone know uh, your background? How did you get into this space and and what what is your current role with Payability right now? Yeah. Um, so I'm the head of business development and partnerships for Payability. So, um, you know, I kind of handle partnerships from everything from affiliates or influencers to software companies, integrations, to us even providing full capital solutions for some of the marketplaces we support. Um, I've been with the company for about a year and a half now, and I've been in fintech for about eight years. Um, Got my start, you know, um, really after I left public accounting um, and I had grown up in small business and I had started a couple businesses of my own uh, in the brick and mortar world. And then really after I left public accounting, I started a, a startup called SMB Scorecard, where we were doing analytics and creating credit reports for small businesses to make them more attractive for banks so they could get more financing offers. And that's what really kind of led me further down the world into alternative finance. And then, you know, when the op- I started working with e-commerce companies really on a consumer financing side about three, four years ago, providing them consumer options for their customers and point of sale type options. And then that's kind of what led me back to the small business side over at Payability and um, bullish on e-commerce. I mean, it's the, it's the place to be for at least the next decade plus. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's a, it's an, it is an exciting time in e-commerce. Um, and, and really, we want to just dive in and talk more about Payability because Chris and I, like I mentioned, we both sell. And early on, we've been selling for a long time. Early on in the Amazon world, there are or in the e-commerce in general, there wasn't really that creative type of financing available. And we, Chris and I have our own stories of challenges we've had with sort of traditional lending to businesses that does not help a yeah. seller very well. Um, so why don't you touch yeah. on just a little bit, what, what, do, what is payability? How did payability come about? And what are some, how does some of the things that helps with sellers? 
Yeah, so Paperly really came about, um, it was founded in 2014, and it was founded by our, uh, by our founders, uh, Keith and Scott. And really what the design there was, they both come from um, ad tech and marketing tech, and they had seen a pain point with affiliates not getting paid fast enough from affiliate uh, platforms like Commission mm -hmm. Junction, Rakuten, things like that. And so as they were solving that pain point, it kind of hit them over the nail, you know, like hit them over the head like a hammer when they started talking with e-commerce folks who were basically like, hey, if you think the, you know, the affiliates have a problem, you know, there's a whole world of marketplace sellers out here who are getting paid on 14, 19, 21 and 30 day cycles. Like you guys should start looking at that. And then working through some partners, you know, discovering product market fit, we're a startup as well. You know, we've, we've been around for less than 10 years and um, kind of just digging in a little bit, it became really apparent that, you know, all businesses have, have issues trying to find capital. And it's like one of the biggest pain points to growing a business is how do you get that initial capital? And then how do you get the capital to continue to grow your business? And for those selling on Amazon, it became even more apparent, um, you know, as well as the other marketplaces. But, you know, Amazon is the biggest and the largest, and it's just about everyone is selling something on Amazon. And it became really apparent that, you know, not only first party sellers, who it's more of a traditional financing relationship. There, Amazon's the payee, and it's kind of more expected to be paid on 30-day terms. But for all these third-party sellers, whether they're you know private labels, whether they're wholesalers, and especially like the resellers, it's really hard to scale your business, be able to reinvest back in your business when you're getting paid twice a month. And that's when they you know came up with the idea for Instant Access, which is our flagship product, which is turning that net 14 into a net one. And going from getting paid twice a month to getting paid every day so you can reinvest in the business and essentially keep up with that demand that Amazon is going to constantly drive towards you in, in the form of inventory. Because, you know, what we've done and what we've seen and learned and had case studies done on is one of the fastest ways to, like, lose the buy box or to lose traction is essentially to stock out. And if we think about it naturally, I want to buy something and I want it for this weekend. If I don't get it. Right. I made him never known the product existed, but now I want it. And if I don't get it, I am so incentivized to go write that review, because mm -hmm. when you think about reviews, no one ever comes in and gives you a three star or a C plus. And no mm -hmm. one goes to a restaurant and says, yeah, the food tasted OK. Yeah, it was delivered reasonably on time. You give reviews when it you know exceeds expectations and you want to tell everyone about it. Or you give reviews, negative ones when you're upset and, you know, so much of what people are ordering, especially now that we're in that constant demand, you know, I want to press one button, I want it next day. Stocking out leads to upset people who write review bad reviews who would have never written a review in the past. All those things together, as well as scaling your business, it, it kept being apparent that capital was the big one of the biggest constraints to being able to take that next step and start having that incremental growth. Um. You make a lot of good points there. And one of them is like continuing to grow and you're stocking out and as, as a seller and ourselves, you know, that, that is a big issue. We, we stock out and then you got to keep that momentum. You got to build it back up again when you get your inventory back in. Um, and, and you, sometimes you don't have the capital to, to put those 30% deposits down or 70% deposits down. So when is it a good time for like new sellers, especially to start looking more into like getting some capital or, trying to expand and grow their business, when is that a good time for them? So I, I really think, you know, and, and this is where, you know, all businesses are different. Like even if we're in the brick and mortar world, you know, two pizzerias on the same block 
depending on how they're run, can be completely different businesses. Mm -hmm. And so I think we want to like always kind of keep in mind that like your business model might be a little different than people you're comparing with. But when we look at the larger arc of Amazon sellers, you know, and like people always want to say, I want to get started. I have this great idea for an idea. And typically what I tell people is if you've never sold anything before in your life, offline or online, you don't want to jump right into creating your own product off the bat. And I think that's where a lot of entrepreneurs get a little bit thrown is they have an idea for this amazing product. Having an idea for a product, building a product is very different than actually selling that product. Mm -hmm. And so typically when people want to start selling on Amazon and they want to get involved, you know, what we've seen be really successful. And, and I, I didn't invent this. You know, I've seen I've just seen this over time is usually you want to start out some type of like reseller or retail arbitrage and find products that you know are going to sell and learn the systems of how to sell them. Understand your margins, understand your price, understand the 2 million bells and whistles that are happening behind the scenes of Amazon that, you know, most people before they start selling don't understand, you know, the listed line items and the difference between a short-term storage and a long-term storage or how FBA works or why they may get suspended even sending into FBA, let alone like the product actually leaving. And so doing some like, you know, whether you want to go full retail arbitrage and make it almost like a day trading activity or whether you want to just start out as a reseller, working with products that are already selling, understanding the pricing, understanding the nuances of Amazon, and then growing your SKUs and either becoming a better reseller, maybe even going into the wholesaler world, but essentially learning how to be a good e-commerce seller and then graduating up into the type of seller, whether that's wholesale, private label, or even manufacturing your own product. If you want to sell it online, I, I just, you know, where I've seen people be really successful is when they can take a product that they know works, sell it, learn the metrics of the selling, learn their business model. A lot of people don't come from a business background and they have to kind of learn the hard way some of those margins. You want to do it with the product that you know works so you, so you can look at the, your data at the end of the day and go and understand it. Is it me or is it something I'm doing wrong? Rather than if you start out with your own product right off the bat, you may not know if that product is even sellable. So you could be doing everything right and the product is a dud or it could be your metrics or your margins. So that's usually where you want to start with something great. And then where we see people be really successful is they take a product they're reselling and they start to dig through reviews or they start to get feedback. And that's when they start to improve upon it. And that's usually that great entry into that private label is I've been reselling this outdoor speaker, let's say. And all the feedback I'm getting is or all the reviews I'm seeing is like, best outdoor speaker ever, wish it was waterproof. Man, this is a great outdoor speaker, wish it was waterproof. And then you can say like, look, I'm reselling this speaker. Why don't I start, why don't I make this same speaker but make it waterproof? And like, you know, things like that, and even doing research on other products that you can improve upon, but already knowing how to sell on the platform first. Man, you you hit it. We, we, <laughs> we talk about this all the time. Like learn how to sell on Amazon first before you go and commit to like a $20,000 or even a $5,000 order because there's a lot of little things you got to do right when you, mm -hmm. when you list things on Amazon. So we always talk about retail arbitrage, wholesale arbitrage, or, or just listing books online that you got in a, in a bookshelf somewhere. Just learn the process because it's going to be different. Like you're going to have to send shipments in, you're going to have to label them. Then you're going to have to make sure the listings are right and, and you know, deal with the reviews. And there's a lot more to it than just, uh, just throw up a product. I was, I was talking to seller the other day and, and he, he was in a really competitive niche, very competitive, uh, and just started out and he was selling a single product, uh, for the same price that you could buy four for. 
And he, he's like, well, well, I'm not selling anything. I'm like, well, let's let's take it back down a little bit. Your, your one product is is as much as I can get for four. I can, buy the, I can buy four for the same price you're selling one. And it kind of took him back a little bit because he kind of fell in love with the product. Right. He's like, yeah. I, I want this is what I want to work. I want this to work. I'm like, look, look, the market doesn't care if it's a different color. And if it's if it's going to be the same price as four, if, if I want to buy, if I need more of these, I can buy four of them for the same price as as one. So it was kind of like he came came to Jesus a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Like he's like, he, he's like I, I need to I need to kind of liquidate and restart. So I, I think that's good knowledge there, where like sellers they they need to learn the process, learn how to list products, and then they can scale up. And I, I think that's where they come to you, where. I got a product. It's a proven business model. I got reviews. I'm selling, but I need to get some capital so I can get that another order in with my manufacturer. Exactly. And, and I think to, to the point you were making, too, I think there is, you know, and this goes in all business, but especially when we're talking about Amazon sellers, understanding how your customers view your product. Is it a commodity or is it something that they can't live without? You know, and like when you're talking about something that's like, you know, like a commodity, type thing where now it's price. If mm-hmm. I if I know that both sellers are gonna deliver reasonably on the same time, now I'm just playing in the price game. If there's no intrinsic value outside of just the, co- the commodity value that makes me go to yours, then you need to understand that pricing. Like, I mean, as you guys know, like there's probably a hundred different repricing tools out there. And more importantly, you need to know the mindset of the customer because that is, everything. And, and I think that's where a lot of entrepreneurs, um, you know, kind of go wrong is they are their own best customer, but they mm-hmm. don't necessarily know how the rest of us think about their product. And that's that's great. Super cool. like, yeah. Great. Get, like, we get tunnel vision, right? Dustin, like, and Alex, we get tunnel vision. Like we're stuck with like, this is my product. I love it. 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 And then when someone tells you it sucks, you're like, no, it's really good. But then you're like, well, maybe he's right. Maybe it does yeah. suck. I need, I need a transition. It's a, it's a great point. I was just talking to a seller today that was t- kept telling me over and over, he his clothing that he was selling is premium. And that's why he, can, he wants this higher price. And I was like, you've got one review. Nobody knows that your product is premium and can justify that price. I think your job right now is to prove that it is premium and then you can get that price. But everything you're doing now, you're advertising to a listing that's not going to convert because it's showing it's premium, but there's no proof. And so, yeah, really, I love that that line you, you said, uh, you're your best customer. Is that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just happy conversation, but it's the truth, right? Like, we're all our, our own best customers. Like, I think what we do at Payability is the best, you know, and, and we have competitors, everyone has competitors, but I'll be out there and, uh, you know, and like, but, you know, truthfully, what we do here too, and, you know, to keep ourselves all in check is we don't build products that we, th- we, we don't have, you know, five people in a smoke filled room deciding what the market needs. We listen to the market. And when our customers tell us that, you know, they don't want to be a customer anymore, because of this reason, that is immediately what we're like beelining towards to make sure that we're fixing those things. And I think, especially when we're talking about just, you know, I mean, e-commerce in general, merchandising, right? Like making sure like, are you out of step with what the market wants? Um, I I have a friend who is a seller um, who was selling uh, socks, right? Like maybe like four or five years ago, socks were like the thing, 
made all these great custom socks. He happens to be a sock aficionado. He's always loved socks. Mm-hmm. And he took, you know, he, he had great opportunity when the market popped and everyone else wanted socks. And it was like twisting arms to try to get him to see, like, you still love socks. <laughs> everyone else has kind of moved on. They're, they're looking at other stuff now. Yeah. You still love socks. Like, if you want to be a successful seller, do what they want or just be, you know, a sock, like, you know, um, evangelist, really, but not necessarily a seller. It's <laughs> uh, another really good point. That's something we just talked about recently as well. And a uh, personal story is I had a product I was in love with, but it became commoditized and I couldn't compete on the price. But I, I gave, I, Gave up on it way too late. <laughs> I should have dropped it earlier, and it cost me uh, some money. But they, yeah, falling in love with a product is is critical. Um, so let's let's talk now about what it looks like getting started with payability. And let's start with the the your first offering that you guys had. I remember when this came out uh, for Amazon sellers, and that's where you had daily funding base or daily yeah. payouts. Uh, what, what's the requirements to get started with that? And then what does that particular program look like for a seller? Sure. So that's our instant access program. And that is, you know, essentially on the highest layman's level, you've already made the sale. We want to get you paid faster for it. So there, you know, we have customers as, as small as $2,000 a month in sales. We have customers as large as $12 million a month in sales. The thing they all share in common is that they're looking to grow their business. And I think that's like one of the f- biggest call outs we have to make is, you know, in, in the eBay world, they have, uh, you know, the pickers, right? And then they're going to estate sales, they're going to garage sales. The hunt for the product is almost more exciting to them than growing a sustaining business. Mm-hmm. And so anytime you're leveraging outside capital, you always want to be able to put it to work in revenue producing ways. For an e-commerce seller, that's typically, typically going to be inventory and marketing. Marketing to be able to drive demand inventory to be able to keep up with that demand. And there's other uses as well, entering new product verticals, maybe hiring some vir- virtual assistants, paying for some shipping costs or something like that. But ideally, if you're leveraging outside capital, you wanna be able to put it to work. And so uh, our requirements, our minimum requirements are that you're doing at least 2000 a month in sales and that you've been selling for at least three months. And it's really, it's not just for our own risk, it's really for you know the benefit of the sellers because a lot of people jump into Amazon and they, you know, they think they're going to make it big and, you know, they're going to become an overnight millionaire. And they typically, a lot of people stop after that first month. They realize it's a job. It is not a get rich quick scheme. You're going to have to put in the work just like any other job that you do. And just like anything else you want to be great at, you're going to work hard at it. So typically we, we like to see that three month selling history because it shows that you're a little more serious. And then the $2,000 minimum is so that when we're providing you daily cash flow, it's enough that you can actually use it. If mm-hmm. you're only doing maybe $200 in sales and I'm advancing you a couple dollars a day, you can't actually put that money to work back into the company. So there's no real reason for you to, you know, essentially leverage outside capital. So we're looking for that $2,000 a month minimum and three month time in business. And really, you know, getting started with us, it's a 10 minute application. It's some high level information from the owner, some high level information about their business. And then all the magic happens when they connect that API. Rather than send us bank statements, send us screenshots, we have an approved API with Amazon and you connect it right there and that's where we're able to pull all the information in and be able to do underwriting in 24 hours or less and be able to get you an offer. And then from there, we're basically gonna advance you up to 80% of today's sales tomorrow. We're gonna keep doing that every day until Amazon makes the full payout. 
Then we give you back to 20% we were holding back. And we're holding that back for chargebacks and returns so we don't over advance you. And then once we've had some experience with you, like six months under our belts, we start to be able to increase the advance rates, lower the rates. And you know, our goal is always to try to provide as much capital as cheaply as possible. But you know, there are some, you know, obviously there's different risks involved. You know, an international dropshipper is going to look different than someone who has their own product. Someone mm-hmm. who's just starting is going to look different than someone who's been doing it for five or five or six years. And those kind of all kind of go into the uh, the underwriting mix. So you got like two different things here. The instant access, which is great. And then you got the instant advance, which if, if I'm approved and, and I need some capital to you know launch new products or you know buy more inventory, I could, I could do both programs or do, do I need to do one or the other? No, you can do both. And so instant access is available for those who are selling on a marketplace, Amazon, Walmart, Newegg, and those that are paying on delayed terms. And so there, you know, again, that's you've already made the sale. We're paying you faster. Instant advances, we're going to project what we think you're going to do next month in sales and give it to you up front in a lump form of cash. So similar to PayPal working capital, similar to Stripe, similar to Shopify. It's not a loan. And that a loan is I give you money, you promise to pay me back and the risk is on you. Here, we're projecting your sales and giving them to you up front. So the risk is on us that you're actually going to make those sales. But for the customer, what it feels like is you're going to get next month's sales up front in a lump sum of cash. And typically, you're going to use that for marketing to drive more demand. You're going to use that to be able to get, um, you know, di- uh, hopefully larger inventory purchases at a discount because you can pay for it up front. It's also the way we give it to you is we try to be as flexible as possible. So, you know, once we make money available, we have to actually give it to you. So there we give you uh, an e-wallet and a dashboard that you can log into. And from there, you can wire the money to your bank account. You can do a same-day ACH. You can even pay your uh, suppliers directly through the platform. Um, you can do a direct uh, instant transfer, which moves the money in about five minutes. Or you can opt into our payability seller card. It's a corporate Visa debit card, accepted anywhere Visa is accepted. But if you use it, we give everyone 2% cash back on every dollar they spend. as another way to keep trying to lower their rates and make the, the cash as flexible as we can. What what's so interesting about these, and I think for a lot of people that are starting out in business, they don't understand these these aren't really loans. It's not a traditional loan in a sense. It's it's getting your money uh, that you've already sold, like with the uh, instant access, you're getting your money faster than you normally would. Yeah. And then with the instant advance, uh, it's basically you're funding the inventory and then taking back the sales as they come in, which is so much better for someone trying to grow their business. Uh, and I'm speaking from someone who took traditional loans and the next month you've got like some $5,000 payment that you can't make because you don't have the, the money hasn't come back in yet. And that's scary for a seller. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and truthfully too, I mean, I think hopefully COVID has shown traditional financial institutions. There's a lot of action in e-commerce that they want to be a part of. Um, but traditionally, you know, fi- banks have thought e-commerce is a fad. So unless you've hit that like 5 million annual revenue number, unless you have some type of collateral to pledge or you're pledging your home or, you know, you have a a warehouse or something, typically they looked at it as it's a little bit fly by night. I think that's starting to change a little bit as we all are relying on on e-commerce to live essentially now, but they still don't really know what to look at. They want to look at a profit and loss. They want to look at a balance sheet. They want to look at a cash flow statement. Most sellers aren't keeping those type of books. They want to see gap accounting. Most people are doing it on a cash basis. I mean, a lot of sellers don't even have QuickBooks or things like that. And it's not necessarily to knock them or anything like that, but 
it's apples and oranges when you're talking to a bank underwriter who's looking to see a corp, you know, in their mind, a corporation, and they're looking at a business that's thriving, but doesn't check any of the boxes that they're used to seeing. And it's like, they almost don't know how to talk to each other. So it becomes an impasse and then usually a decline. That's so true. <laughs> so true. Now, you guys got here uh, not only for Amazon, but there's you know Amazon, Shopify, Newegg, Walmart. I know a lot of Amazon shoppers are starting to, to spread out a little bit more and like go to have their own Shopify, Shopify account, and then they're doing Walmart, and maybe Newegg comes in at the back end. But is that is that four different uh, like cycles? Or as a seller myself, am I bu bundling that all into one? Like if I need capital for my Walmart, are you gonna? Is it based off my Walmart numbers, or is it gonna be based as my account as a whole? So what we'd like to, what we, you know, ideally we want to be able to support your online sales everywhere they're happening. Um, so if you're selling on Amazon, you're selling on Walmart, we can look at the health of both. When it comes to advancing your sales on the access program, I can only advance the sales that are being made on the different platforms. But when it comes to instant advance, I can take a look at the entire whole. And we actually, have, we've been trying this out a little bit and we're doing this a little more. It's starting to see, are there ways that we can also work with your offline sales? So is like for us, we just need the information to be robust. Amazon, Walmart, Newegg, Shopify, they all have these very robust APIs that allow us to be able to underwrite quickly and be able to make quick decisions. You know, for some of our biggest sellers, we've even worked with some of their offline channels like Target and CVS, because we can get that information in and the risk is worth it. And those are things that we're looking to do down our roadmap more and more because we want to be able to support all your sales. But to answer your question, when, we're, when it comes to advancing the sales that you've already made, then it's marketplace to marketplace. When it comes to being able to provide you an instant advance, we're going to take all that information in. But no matter what, we're always going to take all that information in to lower the risk. Because if you are selling on multiple channels, you're a less risky seller than someone who's only selling on one channel. That's not because that seller is individually bad or they're a bad person or anything like that. The risk is if you're selling on Amazon Newegg and Walmart and Amazon suspends you for a week, you still have sales happening. If you're only if you have invested only in one marketplace and you get suspended, then it's it's a riskier scenario for you, for us, for everyone involved, because, you know, unfortunately, Amazon, you know, there are a lot of great partners out there who help you get unsuspended. But sometimes it's just a black box. You don't actually know what has happened. And there's a little bit of a delay in that communication. And, you know, that's where if you're selling multi-channel, you're just less riskier for yourself in general. And then, you know, when we look at those who... Uh, you know, those customers who are selling on their own websites, it's interesting how it kind of skews. So if you're selling on Amazon, Amazon's gonna drive a tremendous amount of demand. It's almost just a race to keep up with that demand. And mm -hmm. then some advertising to make sure that, you know, once everyone starts doing sponsored ads, it's kind of like, then everyone has to do them or you don't get found, but they have a great search algorithm and, it, you know, they drive a tremendous amount of demand. What we see is when people go to their own website and like Shopify or WooCommerce or something like that, there they don't have that demand engine and they have to spend a lot of money upfront marketing, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Google ads or something like that. Cause they have to create that demand. Then they also have to keep up with that demand. So we've also seen a lot of very clever sellers who are using Amazon almost as a demand engine to build their brand. And then once they have a brand built, they start to you know slowly transition into their own website. But I, I talk to sellers all the time who have done that play and then go, I can never leave Amazon there's just there's too much demand there and i can test things out before i actually want to test them out on my own marketing budget i put them on amazon see if they have a hit and then i kind of work the marketing on the on the outside and it's 
there's a lot of clever sellers out there who are kind of figuring out these nuances and it's only going to grow. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. only going to grow. Yeah. There's, there's no question that you're spot on right there. I mean, I'll speak for myself, but I'm sure Chris is in the same boat. 90% of my business is Amazon. Oh, I've got know. Shopify. We, we, you know, I'm selling on other channels and it's, it's not even close. Amazon, it captures it all. And, and it's, it's, it's easier to grow on Amazon than any other channel, just for what you talked about that outside, outside marketing. But I, I can't, Go ahead. Were you say something? Well, say what we're seeing, what I'm starting to see a lot more of with Shopify is I'm starting to see them be a payment platform for selling on other platforms. So I've come across a handful of merchants who are selling on Etsy. They have a Shopify store. Sorry, they they have they work with Shopify. So they go, oh, you have a website, and they go, actually, I don't process, I don't do anything on my website. I sell on Etsy. They go, okay, so what are you doing with Shopify? And it's that they're using Shopify as the payment processor to then list on Etsy. And there's almost, and I've seen this now a couple times, I think it works perfectly into their, their partnership with Walmart. And it's almost like taking that, that little bit of that channel advisor approach mm -hmm. where it's like Shopify has so many great features out of the box, but a lot of sellers still don't know how to drive the demand themselves. So they wanna use the demand of the marketplaces for their niche, but use all the bells and whistles of Shopify to actually process the orders and have those additional apps and add-ons. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that over the next coming years, too. That's exactly what I do. I, I mean, we have Shopify up. And if anybody comes to the site, it's going to get fulfilled by Amazon. Like we're, That's just where it's at, right? We're, I'm not going to fulfill the order here. Uh, we're, we're using <laughs> Shopify as a way to fulfill it. And, and Etsy, I, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Etsy is getting really popular. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are going to Etsy. And, and even if like product research, people are using Etsy to like find new products that don't exist on Amazon. So yeah, Etsy is, is an up and coming. Are you, what are you seeing on the Walmart side? Are you seeing a lot of Walmart growth or Newegg? I mean, honestly, Newegg, I would, I would think is very little, but maybe you should say something that I don't know about. Yeah. So on Walmart, um, Walmart is definitely growing. I think the, the combination with, you know, I think their partnership with Shopify has helped a lot. I think their partnership with the, with deliver has made using Walmart much, much easier. Deliver is a great company. And what we're seeing now is, you know, for the first time we're starting to see some suspensions on Walmart. Uh, they're rolling out some seven day suspensions and it's really not the seller's fault. It's not even Walmart's fault. It's that the shipping companies like UPS and FedEx are so inundated and backordered that they're not even able to get the shipping labels on yet. So typically if, if the shipping label, if, if I sell a product and I put the shipping label on today, and it doesn't ship for five weeks, it's the shipping company. But when the shipping companies are so backed up that that shipping label can't even get scanned, it looks like I never shipped it. And so we're seeing a little bit of that on Walmart. They're doing some seven day suspensions. I think it is all tied back to the shipping companies. And I think now that we're kind of out of the holiday rush, that'll resolve itself a little bit. Um, but we are seeing, we're seeing growth on Walmart. We're seeing more and more people request to uh, work, have us work with their Walmart store. With Newegg, um, so I love Newegg personally. I used to use Newegg all the time. I used to build my own computers and I would buy all the refurbished parts off of Newegg. And mm -hmm. I, like a lot of people, thought Newegg was just a consumer electronics uh, marketplace. But they, they changed that about a year ago and they are now a general marketplace. I actually, I work directly with Newegg. We power Newegg Capital, powered by Payability, which is a direct capital solution for Newegg sellers um, in, in partnership with Newegg. But and I'm not just saying this as a plug for them. I'm saying like, there was a reason that I approached Newegg 
to work with them. And that was because I individually used to use them all the time. And now that they're a full marketplace, I, I think they're going to be really interesting because they do, um, they've always had a brand for consumer electronics. And I think as they start to open up, like what I've seen personally is that to woo people off of Amazon and off of Walmart, they'll do a lot of bells and whistles for sellers that other that other marketplaces won't. They'll do custom pages for you know a product if it doesn't exist on a marketplace already. And um, I've seen a lot of great things. If anyone was interested in selling on Newegg, they can definitely reach out to me individually and I can put them on the right path. And I think that, you know, as we see more diversity, Amazon's still the biggest and it's it's so easy i mean that one click, it is so easy but they are laying groundwork for how other marketplaces can compete and i think you know new egg is interesting walmart's interesting etsy etsy now from etsy five years ago is a completely different world i mm -hmm. think you know alibaba is going to be really interesting on the sourcing side because they're really starting to make a lot more moves into north america i think that there's so many other company like marketplaces that are going to start popping up like Albertsons, the grocery store, they're now kind of like a third party marketplace and they allow third party sellers to sell directly on it. I think there's companies like staples.com tractor supply and all these others that we're going to start emerging as third party marketplaces because the concept of a third party marketplace versus a big box store, it's so much easier for the, for the company to say, yeah, now all the, it's all on you. Mm -hmm. you put it on your shelves, you have to ship it, you have to label it, you have to deal with the customer returns. And that model will create more facilitation for third party sellers to start entering. And even like, you know, we always talk about first party sellers, third party sellers. There is technically second party sellers. And that's when you have like a wholesaler and Amazon is just like, we're basically buying your whole Amazon wholesale lot, but we're not putting it in our name and we're not still keeping it in your name, but we basically are owning this. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that evolution across areas that we didn't think that were normally marketplaces, which will be great. And Amazon will have to compete with them. And then we'll see all these new innovations that we've all been asking for and wanting. And it, they're all going to fight, which will be great for the for the sellers. And I know I'm rambling on here a little bit, but like right now, all these marketplaces chase the demand. And I think what we're going to see over the next couple of years is they're going to switch and realize that they're not going to have the same type of demand if they don't have the same inventory, we're seeing a lot of international sellers pour into these marketplaces. And there's nothing wrong with that. Competition is great. But that means that people are going to start chasing price. At some point, that pendulum is going to swing and they're going to start chasing quality. And to chase quality, the marketplaces are going to realize they need better sellers. And that shift of all being demand will start to shift to supply. And that's where I think it's going to get really interesting. Don't really know when that's going to happen, but I know it will happen at some point. Boom. Yeah, Boom. yeah that was good. It's, it's, I love the energy that you're showing because it e-commerce is really exciting right now. It's very exciting. It's still very much wild, wild west. Uh, I think there's, I mean, everyone's changing on the fly. Uh, but I love what you talk about because I've, I've thought this myself for a while that they, with this new competition coming in against Amazon, they are going to have to start really like wooing these sellers and making it attractive to be a seller. And Chris and I talk all the time about the, the benefit to the consumer of having third party sellers all compete is product quality goes up. I mean, that's Chris and I can't launch a product that's got bad quality now. And mm -hmm. it's, there's, there's a kind of people who are going to do better. And so it's, I love, I love the way you had that passion about e-commerce in general. It is exciting. Uh, yeah. 
it's going to be and a lot of fun. And, and I think, you know, I, I think you're exactly right too. It's going to chase quality. If you want to chase price, we all know that there are places to chase price. But there's a reason we're still going back to Amazon is Amazon does hold a lot of their sellers accountable. Mm -hmm. There are other websites, there are other marketplaces like Wish. Wish, I mean, as far as like techn technologically, Wish is an amazing marketplace, great APIs, great mm -hmm. dashboard, all this information. But Wish, you know, Wish's marketplace is typically with a lot of cheaper stuff that sometimes gets delivered in a week, sometimes gets delivered in a month. 80% of it's coming from China and there's nothing, you know, inherently wrong with that, but it's a, it's a marketplace that chases price. And so when you chase price, you become kind of like, you know, it's, um, it's a novelty, right? Like I don't really need it. It looks kind of fun. I'll buy it. If I get it and it's garbage. Okay. Versus I want this. I want this television because it's going to work. It's got a name brand. I know it's going to get delivered. If it's broken, I'm going to send it back. I can also press that little button to have the person install it. Those are the types of things people are going to want. And if we look at like some other brands in general, and we look at like the way, you know, just some of the macro forces in the economy, we're, we're starting to shift already back to quality. Like Ferrari is now a publicly traded company. Now, granted, like not everyone can afford a Ferrari, but like, they're selling more Ferraris than they ever did before. Mm -hmm. Cars like, you know, like Nissan, like a Nissan Altima, Honda Accord, Toyota Camry. These were basic cars. They now all like have the same features that luxury cars have. Mm -hmm. And they're able to do it with a good price point. But like people do want quality. And I think that flooding the market with cheaper and cheaper stuff is almost going to drive people more into that quality because people are not going to, we're kind of getting past that. You know, I, I buy a rug. I spill something on it. I throw it out. I buy a new rug. We're kind of getting like, then that was like a big swing in the early aughts, but we're kind of getting past that and getting back to, I want something really quality in my house. I'm willing to pay a little more and I'm even willing to fix it if it breaks because I respect the quality. And mm -hmm. I, I think that's, a, it's a slower shift because it's kind of like a tectonic plate shift to get back there. But I do think we're in that direction. Yeah. And that's where that social proof and reviews and all that comes in so big and where that's another benefit of e-commerce world is you can hear the voice of thousands of buyers before you make your purchase, <laughs> uh, which is great. But yeah, along with that evolution of e-commerce is, uh, is you guys evolving right alongside it with, with creative ways to help sellers and help third-party sellers fund their businesses. Um, it's exciting. Is there anything coming down the pipe uh, with payability that we can uh, look, look forward to? Yeah. So um, we have a couple of product launches that we're going to be doing uh, this year. We're rolling a couple of them out in beta right now. One of them is uh, it's called Advance Line. So we've taken our instant advance, which is the lump sum of capital, and we're turning it to look and feel like a line of credit. So it can't be, again, we're not a lender, so it can't be like a, a true line of credit. But essentially what we're looking to do is max approve you for an amount of money. And then you take as literal as much as you want over time to give that line of credit feel you'll always have capital available you take it as you need it and then we're combining that with another product that we have uh to essentially pay your suppliers directly so rather than pull the money out then have to send a payment you can take from your advance line pay that supplier press a button send the money straight to them and uh you know foreign if you're sending it overseas foreign exchange fees all of that will be taken care of it can come in via their approved method whether that's wire or ach so you don't have to kind of play around with, oh, do I have to send a bank order? Do I? They won't take a credit card or something like that. And then um, 
you know, we're, we're, we're always working on trying to lower our rates, increase our advance amounts, but um, we've got some other kind of products in the hopper that I can't talk about all of them, but advance line is something we're really excited about coupled with vendor pay. And, um, you know, I, one thing I would just, you know, that I'm excited and proud about is uh, we were kind of doing our numbers from last year. And during COVID alone, we deployed over $1.4 billion in growth capital to e-commerce wow. sellers. So it's, um, and it, it, e-commerce is a place to be. Like, I, I have to be honest, people say like, oh, you know, it, this or that. We have had such a tectonic plate shift in people's buying attitudes. I don't think we've seen anything like this since World War II, frankly, where we started like, you know, people all of a sudden started eating more canned food and processed food because we had to build these things to be able to go to war. We all as a world had to stay at home for a period of time. Mm -hmm. And what we've done is we've learned the convenience of e-commerce. We've learned the convenience of order online and pick up curbside. And even when things open up and we are excited to be back in the room with everyone and party, no one wants to do things that are less convenient. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, the fact that my father now knows how to, you know, now, now knows how to order things online. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you have so many new entrants on the demand side to the market, that's not going away. And I don't know that, you know, COVID was, is still, it's a pandemic, it's a tragedy, but I don't know that without some type of world moving event like that, you can actually change the behaviors of an entire world. And we had that event and that event is driving people to buying things online. And that's why, I mean, I think that's why you see companies like Thrasio and Heyday and everyone's pouring money to get into this industry because we have changed people's buying habits. Um, and I think it would take another huge event or some type of insane innovation to get away from the buying habits we, we've just created over the last year. Yeah, you're right on. We, we saw a surge of like people that were brick and mortar and they, how do I get on Amazon? How do I get on Amazon? It's like, well, you should have called last year. <laughs> you should, yeah, or you, or you should have been thinking about it, you know, year two years ago. But no, we'll, we'll try our best to help them out and like give them the resources to get started. But you know, but by the time they figure that all out, I mean, it's going to be probably too late. So you, you got to kind of, you kind of got to jump on that ship now and and, and ride it out because uh, that's where everybody's going. And you're completely right with the curbside thing. Uh, you know, one store started doing it, the other store started doing it, they all started doing it. Now it's like a sectioned area in the parking lots. And, and, and that's like, that's going to be it. Like they're just going to roll up there and you're going to get your stuff and move on. Uh, so I, I think you're right. I think all that stuff is going to be people having to adapt and convenience. Convenience is what we're going to pay for. And if, if it's a, if it's a premium, a couple bucks more, I think people don't mind that. So it's going to happen. Yeah. The biggest indicator for me was when at Solozo, we started talking to a lot of people that were in the grocery category mm -hmm. i mean to, all, that that was probably the latest the last adopter to go full e-commerce but once you once people started shopping for everything online and all these uh people that were selling food uh that normally just sold direct to grocery stores and all of a sudden had to establish their presence on amazon make sure stuff's in there that's how you know at the demand for stuff online e through e-commerce is, is enormous and yeah that was yeah. It's been really interesting we saw we saw growth in um, online groceries like we had never seen. I mean, mm -hmm. I think it's um, I think people were afraid to buy groceries online, and now everyone's going. And then when you have to, and you have no right. other choice, and you do it, and then you're going, "Why haven't I been doing this since right. day one? It's so easy." It's, it's oh, you're exactly exactly right. Yeah, 
Well, it's it's fun. Like we said, it's it's exciting time to be a part of it. Um, so all the people that are listening that want to um, learn more about payability or get started with payability, what are their steps? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing would be if you want to learn more about what we're doing, um, I would recommend you to go to go.payability.com slash Solozo. And that way, if you do like what you see and you want to do more, that way you'll get a $250 sign-on bonus uh, for having watched this podcast and for having, you know, come through Solozo. And, you know, that means that the first $250 in fees are on us. And um, I would say check us out. You know, like we're always happy to have a conversation. The application is easy. There's no commitments, no credit check, no commitments, no obligations to apply and see what your offers are. And uh, we have real people on the phones every Monday through Friday, nine to six. We're happy to talk to you about your business, learn a little bit more and see if we can be a resource. If we can be a resource, we want to be a resource as fast as we can. If it's not a fit for your business model, then, you know, hopefully you get some uh, insight maybe from our blog, maybe some insight from watching here. But with finance, always you, you want to explain finance. And if it's a fit for your business model, we want to be able to provide it for you. And we're always happy to have that conversation. Man, Alex, that is, I, I highly encourage everyone out there who's in this spot in their business right now where cash flow is an issue to check you guys out, to go to payability. Give them that link again one more time. Yep, it's go.payability.com slash Solozo. And they're going to get $250 of their fees waived from yep. that. That's excellent. Yeah, and, and just in, and so and I'm, I'm a guilty. If this is a kind of over your head and finance is kind of like, I don't want to deal with it. Go, just go have a conversation. Just mm -hmm. go have a conversation. Uh, they're going to look at your business. They'll give you kind of an idea where you're at. Uh, and just bounce ideas off somebody. Like, don't just put this on the back burner. If, you, if you're trying to scale and grow, these are the kind of type of people that you want to have in your corner. Yeah. This, it's great stuff. Yeah. Again, we we'll encourage everyone to do that. Also, if you're listening and you need help with your advertising, we'd love for you to check out Solozo. You can go to solozo.com and book a demo with either Chris or myself. Uh, once you have all this funding and you're looking to launch your product, you need to advertise and you wanna make sure you're spending your advertising dollars uh, the most efficient way possible. That's where we can help you, solozo.com. You can book a demo with Chris or I. We'll talk all about your business. And uh, if you wanna talk about funding too, we can help direct you to Alex over here at Payability. Alex, it's been amazing. It's been fun. Thanks so much. We're going to have you back on uh, once you have some new, uh, some more new programs that you can talk about that are coming down. We'd love for you to keep us posted. It's been super educational for everybody out there. And uh, we'll, we'll be talking to you next. So everyone have a great day. And thanks again, Alex. Uh, it's my pleasure, guys. Thank you for having me. All right.